err is human, to forgive, divine, and next to impossible apart from that divine intervention. Help in the area of forgiveness next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Today, we spend some time in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. The force of forgiveness, becoming free to forgive others. It is a challenge to be able to forgive. There's a lot involved. And as mentioned at the beginning of our program, divine intervention is definitely needed. We'll spend some time in Proverbs, Ephesians, as well as Colossians. And we begin with Matthew 18 and Peter's question about forgiveness in verse 21. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. The nature of forgiveness itself is probably one of the most profound aspects, you might say, of grace itself the reconciling factor of grace. Forgiveness is never um, easy, is it? It's hard. It's probably one of the most difficult things in in the world to do. Because forgiveness means this. Forgiveness means that the forgiving person, as this innocent one, resolves his own wrath over the sin of the guilty one and lets the guilty one go free. That's what forgiveness is. To forgive means that one genuinely loves somebody. And that love can move beyond the issue to the person. And you care more about the person than about what he's done or she has done. Let me tell you, forgiveness, there's a, there's a power, there's a force that's behind the aspect of forgiveness. When, when we forgive people, when we're willing to forgive people, there's a sense of empowerment, I think, that God brings into our lives. Forgiveness frees the person for the options of living. And when we refuse to forgive, when we downplay forgiveness, it really limits the offender, but it also holds the guilty under one's thumb. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever wished you could rewind the tape on life and say something maybe a little differently than what you said? You've been in those situations, I'm sure. Have you ever wished you could just hit the, you might call it the reset button, for your day or your week or your month. Sometimes we just kind of, we want to reboot. You know, we want to, you know, I think on the PC it's what? Control-Alt-Delete, right? I mean, I use Macs now, so I don't have that problem anymore. But those of you still enslaved to the PC, you know what I'm talking about. See, but the good news is that, that God serves up our life in what I like to call bite-sized chunks. Bite-sized pieces of minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years. And he does that for a purpose. Because at the beginning of each one of those sections, you can have a fresh start. You can start over. You can hit the reset button or reboot or whatever you want to call it and start the day afresh. And we're going to be celebrating communion here in a couple minutes. And this is a time for us as a body of Christ, definitely, to kind of reset things. 
to refocus, to make sure that our priorities are in the right order, to make sure that we're, we're doing what we need to be doing for the Lord, and to really focus on that. Now, you know, in any kind of a family, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a family or extended family, whatever, there's always issues. So-and-so arrives late to the Christmas dinner, you know, how could he, how dare he do that, you know, or whatever. And these issues come up, okay, within the families of people. And whenever issues come up in our lives, we have an opportunity to be Christ-like. We have an opportunity to come across in such a way that says, you know what, I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm just going to forgive you for it. You're never more like Christ when you do that. You're never more like Christ when you are willing to extend the hand and forgive a brother or sister or even a non-believer for something that they have done against you. That's really the, you might say, the epitome of our Christian walk. When we do that, we're, we're most like Christ. When your children do something wrong, I know when our grandkids do something wrong, you know, usually they end up getting into trouble. And sometimes, depending on what it is, maybe they said something rude or something to myself or grandma or something like that, and Crystal makes them come back. And they have to say they're sorry and ask for forgiveness. And they have to know why they're asking that. It's not just, oh, we go ask Grandpa for forgiveness. Okay, Grandpa, do you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. Go on. No, they, and it's heart-wrenching, okay, for me anyway. You know, and I kind of like to downplay, well, you know, it wasn't anything. Crystal, don't worry about it. But see, she's trying to teach her kids certain principles. And so I have to go along with this. And so, you know, when you have a little uh, four-year-old or five-year-old coming up to you, Grandpa, you got the eyes, I'm sorry. I was rude to you. I said this, that was, whatever. I mean, what kind of monster would you be? I don't forgive you. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to forgive you. See, our, our tolerance on forgiveness seems to go, you know, we're, we're, we're able to tolerate forgiveness a lot easier with children, aren't we? It just seems that way. Why? Because they're, they're not all together. They're not, they're not adults. They're not responsible. They do silly things. They do stupid things sometimes. And so for that... At times, they ask for forgiveness, and we freely give it to them. Freely. Because of their ignorance, because of their inability, because of just who they are as children. Well, what Christ is showing his disciples here in this section is that when you're childlike, all right, basically, it's the equivalent of saying you're going to fail. Children fail. Children do things they shouldn't do. Children's, children break things. They, they do things by accident. They do all sorts of things that as an adult, if you were to do them, boy, you'd be classified as, wow, what's wrong with this person? But see, we're, we're a lot more forgiving when it comes to children. And there are going to be times when we do wrong things because, you know what, we're still in the process of maturing as believers. The childlikeness of the believer. We're still putting our spiritual lives together and in priority. And when we do sin, and after we go through this process that we've been outlining the last couple of weeks, we are also, the Bible points out, to be forgiven just as children are, be, are to be forgiven. Remember, Christ has a little child on his lap this whole time in Matthew 18 as he's talking to his disciples. And he's using that child as a prop. He's using that child as an example of innocence and, and just of, of childlikeness. And he says, you have to be like this child if you want to come into my kingdom. And you've got to be protected like this child. You have to be disciplined like this child. But you also have to be willing to forgive. Now, people can hold grudges rather easily against adults. But it's very abnormal for 
someone to hold a grudge against a child. It just is. I've never heard of that, really. That would be really odd. You would really have to do something horrible as a child to have your parents hold that grudge against you for the rest of your life, especially when you're just a little, you know, two, three, four-year-old. That just doesn't happen. And we tend to forgive children readily. But when it comes to our adulthood, all of a sudden, somebody does something wrong against us, what happens? Boy, our defenses kick in. And we don't go there as easy to the area of forgiveness. But it's a great virtue. It's a virtue that Christ manifested over and over and over again in his life. And it's necessary, if you're going to show love to people, if you're going to have any kind of meaning relationship with anybody, forgiveness has to be a constant in that relationship. I mean, can you imagine being in a marriage where there's no forgiveness? I don't know about you, but I'd be in trouble every day. Because we're not perfect people. We're imperfect people. And we're called to love each other with the love of God. And man, there's sometimes I just thank God for forgiveness. And so we're going to look at this topic this week and today. We're just going to scratch the surface today. But I want to read for us the section that deals with this. And, and I want to uh, begin in verse 21 of chapter 18 of Matthew. Matthew 18, verse 21. And we're going to just read it through to the end of the chapter. And basically what happens is Peter asks a question, Jesus answers the question, and he gives him an illustration with a parable. So follow along as I read Matthew eighteen twenty one. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with the servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that they had until payment was made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused. And he went and he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me? And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? As I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. It's a pretty interesting section of Scripture. So many times... We are wronged in life. And what does God call us to do? God calls us to forgive. God calls us to forgive. 
Well, I just want to set this morning, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want us to understand a little bit more about forgiveness before we even really enter into this text. We're entering a little bit. But I want you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11. And the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness. It really does. And there are some people who carry burdens, weights around. I mean, imagine yourself weighted down with just bags of sand. That's what unforgiveness, if you're carrying unforgiveness in your heart, that's what it's doing to you. It's just weighing you down. Um, I remember when I was in high school, my uh, brother used to make me wear um, ankle weights. And I'd have to go run back and forth in front of the house with these ankle weights on. I just hate it. You know, it's just this added, you know, one or two pounds on your legs. And it was meant to make you stronger and everything. But it was hot. And I, I can still feel how those ankle weights, you know, they'd be kind of around your ankle. And they'd rub against your sock. And eventually, I even I remember getting little blisters, you know. Around, oh, it was horrible. He said, you'll thank me for this one day. <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever. You know. But I remember when I was able to take those, those weights off. I mean, I felt like I could run a million miles an hour. You know, I felt like I walk on water when those weights were off. And that's what it is when we're carrying around the burden and this, this, just this burden of unforgiveness in our hearts. God wants us to unleash that. Well, in Proverbs 19, verse 11, here's what it says about uh, forgiveness. It says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook or forgive an offense. To pass over a transgression, some translations read. In other words, if you want to see a man at his best, it's when he is willing to forgive and is forgiving a sin that is committed against him. That's what Proverbs, in just there, that has to place. Turn over to Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul really outlines for us as Christians Forgiveness should be part of our, our whole life. He's talking about the whole new life from 17 down in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4. But look at all the way down in verse 32. He just gets done telling him, don't talk with bitterness or wrath and anger and clamor and all that. Guard your speech. And then he says in verse 32, he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. And what's, what's it say next? Forgiving one another. And then I love this phrase at the end of this verse. Because it's just so convicting. As what? As God in Christ forgave who? Forgave you. The idea is, you know what? When somebody does something wrong against you, we don't attack that person. You don't make yourself out to be some self-righteous person. Oh, I can't believe they did this to me. That's not what we do. That's not what the Bible says we do. The Bible says that, you know what? Just as we've been reading in Matthew, go to them, you explain the situation, whatever. And when it comes to a point in time where, you know what, they're, they're really acknowledging this or not. But if they acknowledge it, it's great. Because then you have reconciliation. Right? But even if there's, there's no reconciliation in a relationship, the worst thing you can do is hold a grudge. The worst thing you can do is hold a grudge. I always tell people, you know what? This person you're talking to me about right now that we've just talked 30 minutes about and you're all worked up and your blood pressure's going through the roof and you're just, you know, 
you're all upset at how this person's treated you, whatever. I wonder what they're doing right now. They're probably out playing golf. They're probably just at work, having a good time. They're not thinking of you. And here you are, man. You're just so tight about this. And you need to leave it go. See, but we, our, our flesh kicks in and we feel, well, no, we have the right. And we, have, we demand this. No, if it works out, you go to them and they repent. Hey, great. Then there's reconciliation in the relationship. But it says here that we are to forgive one another, especially in the body of Christ, beloved. I mean, when we can't forgive a brother or sister in Christ, stop and think about it. I mean, we are in direct violation of what God says us that we should be doing right here in this verse. And we're to do it as God in Christ forgave you. I mean, did you deserve to be forgiven? Are you going to tell me that, oh yeah, I deserve salvation. When the Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, no, not one. That at the proper time, Christ died for us, even though we were yet, what, still sinners, the Bible says? I mean, aren't you glad that you're part of a salvation program where God says, you know what, you don't have to get cleaned up for me to save you. I mean, think what it would be like if God said, hey, salvation's over here, and if you can make it over here, if you can get yourself clean enough to enter into my presence, well, then you'll be saved. There's a lot of religions like that. Most religions are like that in the world. I grew up in one all, all your life, basically. What are you doing? You're trying to earn your way. You're trying to do stuff so that God will love you more. And sometimes when we're saved out of such a religion like that, I think sometimes we carry that over to our current Christian walk. Because it's a hard thing to get out of our head. I remember when I first became a Christian that, you know, I just felt like I needed to do stuff. So I just got busy doing stuff. And that's good. You should be busy for the Lord. But, I mean, it it had no boundaries. I mean, I would do anything. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a Christian now. God died for me. Man, there's nothing I won't do for him. I've got to do everything. And I remember when I was at, at Indiana University of Pennsylvania my last year there, I mean, some of my studies actually suffered because I was down at the church helping the pastor do something. <laughs> you know, just because they said, well, if anybody wants to come out on Thursday night to go on visitation, hey, I was there. You know, Saturday morning visitation, I was there. I didn't even know what visitation was. I was a brand new Christian. And we go around and hand out these tracts to people. Okay, fine. You know, we're going to paint the church. Hey, I'm there. And that's, that's fine. I mean, we should have a servant's heart. But what I'm saying is some of that came out of the idea of, wow, I have to do this because I want God to love me. And that's just not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're saved not because of our works. We're saved onto good works. God has prepared before the foundation of the world works for us to do as believers. But those works don't lead to salvation. Those works are a result of our salvation. And so when it tells us here that we should be forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us, we are freely to offer this forgiveness to others. Because God didn't charge me. Last time I I checked, he didn't charge me anything for the forgiveness that Christ offers me. I just had to ask for it. Well, look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. And Paul similarly told the, the Colossians here 
that similar, very similar verse. He's talking in verse 12 there. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he says this, bearing, in verse 13, with one another. What does that, that kind of sounds like it's a little bit of work, right? I mean, I just don't know how I put up with that guy or that gal or whatever. That's, that's the idea. You're bearing with them. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, because that's going to happen in any life it does, in any family, in any marriage, in any church. If you have a complaint against one another, what are you supposed to do? Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. It's not an option. It's not an option. And that word is, is the idea that it has this ongoing mode of forgiveness in our life. It's not a one-time deal. We're going to talk about the different types of forgiveness at, at the end of this short lesson here today. But, but it's important to understand that here Paul is saying, you know what, as you're interacting with the body of Christ, forgiveness just has to be right there at the top because you're going to have issues with everybody. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. We're all different personalities. We're all gifted in a different way. And when we come together, you know, I think it was Chuck Swindoll who said the church fellowship within the body of Christ is kind of like a pack of porcupines trying to get close together. <laughs> you know, they, they get only so close and then they start to prick each other. That doesn't feel good, you know. That's what the body of Christ is like. And so when that happens, we should be forgiving to one another. It's the glory of man that we should forgive one another. And really, it's the obligation of the Christian who has been forgiven so much by God himself through Christ that we have a forgiving heart, that we don't bear grudges, that we don't hold on to resentment. Matter of fact, I would even say that we should be eager to forgive. We should count it a privilege that we can even forgive at all. When someone wrongs you, when someone does something wrong against you, in your heart, you should, you should be thinking, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to forgive that person. I mean, how many times have you thought that? I haven't. Until <laughs> God's worked on me a while. Kind of put me through the ringer and brought me through a process. And then eventually it's like, okay, I just got to let this go. This is ridiculous. It's eating me up. Remember, this is, they're all there and they're all... Uh, talking with Jesus, probably in this, this home. Jesus has a child on his lap. Peter comes up, and just to kind of put it in, in the context here, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? After all this discussion on discipline and how to confront somebody and to restore and reconcile and all this stuff, Peter comes up with this ingenious question. He wants to ask Christ this question because it's on his heart. Maybe it was on the heart of the other ones, but they didn't have the boldness to ask. And so he says, look, Lord, okay, let's say we go after this guy and we restore him as our brother. Okay, we got the reconciliation, we got everything. But you know what? It happens again. He sins again. Does this forgiveness that you're talking about here, does this have a limit? That's his question, isn't it? I mean, after it happens again and again and again, do you finally say, look, pal, I'm not going to forgive you anymore? That's the question. At what point does our forgiveness run out? That's what Peter wants to know. Well, it is our prayer 
here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. One other note as we conclude our time together today, you're invited to join us for NorCal Fire, getting people fired up to warn the lost of the fire to come. This conference will be held here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, Friday, September 9th and Saturday, September 10th. Andrew Rappaport, Carl Kirby Jr., Carl Kirby Sr., and Jordan Hall, just a few of the guest speakers for this conference. NorCal Fire is designed to equip Christians to talk to the lost and immediately put what they've learned at the conference into practice with guidance and support from seasoned evangelists. For further information, visit their website, strivingforeternity.org. That's strivingforeternity.org. Or call us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, 650-366-9923. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.